Okay, so it looks like that is starting. So if you're listening to the podcast and you can only hear me, uh, I'm sorry, but right now the audience is clapping and cheering wildly. (laughs) Okay, so uh, speaking in tongues. So, um, so this is, so what I'm going to try to do with this is, uh, I think that the living room in general, um, and I think with this topic in particular, is really good about, um, kind of discussing things as a group and having more of a dialogue. Um, at the same time, uh, there are certain things that I talk way too much on, and I want to say a lot, and this is one of those topics. So what I'm going to try to do is try to talk through some main points that I want to hear, I, that I want to hit really quickly, and then try to open it up and let people ask questions or other people share their experiences, because I know that there's probably a lot of very uh, widely differing experiences that people here have had with speaking in tongues. Um, and then still try to respect the time of the people up watching the kids. So that's the hope. Um, so that might mean that some of the uh, some of the things I'll go through really quickly and then try to hit when we have time to like discuss or ask questions afterwards. So um, speaking in tongues, uh, if you haven't heard of that term before, that's basically when people, spontaneously start speaking in a language that's not their own, uh, as enabled by the Holy Spirit. So this is kind of a topic that can be pretty confusing or divisive or mysterious, um, but I think that it's one worth talking about. Um, First of all, just to remove some of that stigma and confusion And secondly, because I think it tells us a lot about God and our relationship to God. And that's mostly what I want to focus on today. So, okay. So, this is my main point for what I'm going to talk about. So if you forget everything else that I talk about, uh, just remember this slide um, that says, Our experience with God is a relationship and not a formula. Um, I have a few other points that I really want to emphasize that are also going to be in like these big red boxes, but everything is going to tie back to this, and these other points are going to kind of tie back to this as well. So, um, I want to give you a little bit of context for speaking in tongues first. Uh, there is a really great series of chapters in 1 Corinthians from chapter 12 through 14 that talk a lot about speaking in tongues. We're not going to read that whole section here, but I would encourage you all to go through and read all that in context. But just to give a few passages here. um, So the first one here is right after Paul has been given some some instructions about speaking in tongues. And he says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So when he's saying all this, the the implied answer to all these questions is, no, not everyone speaks in tongues. Um, And then the still more excellent way that he is getting ready to talk about is he spends all of chapter 13 talking about how more important 
love is and how that is far better than any of the gifts of the Spirit or miraculous things that he's been talking about. And so he kind of ends that with the next passage saying, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So I think it's important that when we talk about tongues, we put it in context that Number one, it's not necessarily universal, so it's not going to be something for everyone. And two, there are far more important things than speaking in tongues, that the character and love are far greater than any kind of miraculous signs or gifts of the Spirit that you may have. So with that in mind, I think a good question may be, you know, why should we even talk about it? Because... um, If it is something that's controversial, shouldn't we just focus on the doctrine or the beliefs that we all have in common and focus on those things? Um, So I think that it's worth talking about speaking in tongues because um, knowing about a person is not the same thing as knowing a person. So in particular, when we spend a lot of time just discussing doctrine and scripture, it's really easy to fall into a trap where we are talking a lot about God so much that we forget to talk to God. And, um, you know, our faith is not just a philosophy. It's a relationship with God. And it's not a relationship between us and Martin Luther. It's not a relationship between us and John Calvin or even between us and Paul. It's a relationship between us and God and Scripture and doctrine are tools to help us in that relationship. Um, Now, speaking in tongues is certainly not the only way that we have a connection with God, and it's not the only way that we have, um, like, to know God deeper. But it is a gift that's offered to us, and it's a good gift. And I think a good sign of a healthy relationship is that if the person you are in a relationship in, if you find out that they have some kind of hobby or interest that you didn't know about, that you want to develop an interest in that as well. So if this is a gift that God has offered us, I think it's a sign of wanting to have a deeper relationship with God that we have at least some interest in wanting to know more about that and what it's about. And then also, you know, at the end of of all of this uh, stuff that Paul writes about, he does say, Earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So, speaking in tongues is very much a good thing. Um, We just need to make sure that we do it decently and in order. So, let's talk about a little bit about what that means. So, um, I think it can be kind of confusing when we talk about tongues um, because there's a couple of very different things that are all called speaking in tongues and the way that you use those things is very different. Um, So first of all, there is um, cases where it's used for evangelizing and spreading the gospel. So this passage is from Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit first entered the church and all the believers were gathered in Jerusalem and they started speaking in tongues. And it says, 
They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. At this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So this is a case where very literally someone was able to supernaturally speak somebody else's language in order to spread the gospel to them. Um, now, this is something that is really rare. I have never done this. I've never witnessed it. I do have some friends who have, but this is not something that you see very often. Um, the, the second way is, is a lot more common, um, which is where you have a small group of people who are praying together and God, and they are looking for God's guidance. Um, and Paul says, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three, at the most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So um, these are cases where you have a group who is together, they feel comfortable around each other, they're praying for guidance from God, and then somebody will feel an urging to speak and an urging to speak in tongues, and it'll be a language that no one there understands. And then separately, you'll have somebody else in the group who feels an urging to say, oh, I think I know what this means, and then share that interpretation with the group. And so this is kind of a, a way for God to lead a group of people without giving a message through only one person. So it's like several people sharing the role of being uh, a mouthpiece of God in a group of people. And this is something that I've uh, had experience both giving the messages and interpreting messages in tongues. Um, so if we want to discuss more about that. And then the third is by far the most common, which is just speaking in tongues and self-guided prayer. So this is just speaking between you and God. And um, Paul says here, Therefore one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will, I will sing with my mind also. So this is when a person is individually praying to God. They feel like they should pray, but they don't exactly know what to pray about. Um, instead of spending their time trying to think of, find the right words to pray, they will just pray in tongues while praying that God will guide them what they should pray with their mind. And often they will start to get a sense of, oh, well, this is what I'm praying about. And then they can kind of, their whole being can kind of pray with unity. And um, I would say when I'm praying by myself, most of the time uh, it's praying in tongues. Um, but this is what we're going to focus on mostly today, um, just because I feel like this is probably what you would do first if you started praying in tongues. So uh, I guess let's get into more, uh, now that, that we have kind of like a definition of things, let's get more into practical stuff. So how to pray in tongues. So um, there's some e examples in Acts of where people 
pray in tongues, and it's always a case of where people maybe have already come to belief in Christ, and then somebody prays over them, and it says they, the Holy Spirit came on them, or they received the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's at the same time that they accept Christ. Sometimes it's shortly after. Um, so some churches call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I feel like this can be kind of a confusing topic just because it's not something that's completely laid out in Scripture, and a lot of different churches have different ways that they approach this. Um, but a few points that I would want to make on this is that, um, so the, the whole idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, the word baptized comes from a Greek word that meant to dye clothing, and uh, it was dyeing clothing in such a way that um, the, the cloth would be dyed so thoroughly that it would like be changing the nature of the cloth. So it would go in one color and come out a completely different color that it had been baptized in. So it was like uh, completely changing the nature of what you had. So keep that in mind when we talk about the term baptism of the Holy Spirit, even if there's not a real definite definition of it. Um, but I think the thing that you can take away from this, and, and I'm not... To be completely honest, I'm not sure if this is something that is like a one-time event or if it's something that you just have an attitude about that you want a deeper experience with God. But I can tell you that any deeper experience with God comes from asking Him. Um, for me personally, um, I did experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit as kind of a one-time event. But I think that might have been something where I was in a church at the time that that's how they taught it. So it was what I was expecting. So that was God meeting me where I was. I've talked to other people who have had uh, similar experiences where it was not like a one-time event for them. Or people who just, um, they had a walk with God where they um, were always asking for a deeper relationship with God. And it wasn't a one-time thing for him. But a verse that was really... Uh, impactful for me was this verse from Luke that says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the, the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, for me, I was really afraid of asking God for like a deeper experience in the Holy Spirit because I was very afraid that I w it was going to be something that I would um, make up something myself and think it was from God. I was really afraid of fooling myself with something that was not actually divine and somehow blaspheming against God or somehow... Uh, deceiving myself, but I want you to be uh, rest assured that just if you ask for more of the Holy Spirit from God, He's not going to give you a counterfeit. You know, He's going to give you Himself. So, and then uh, I think it's, it's kind of a universal experience that people who 
speak in tongues or practice other gifts of the Spirit, they have some kind of sense where they have asked God for like a deeper experience from Him and like a deeper walk with God and the Holy Spirit. So you may say, okay, well, I've asked God for this deeper experience. What happens now? Do I just need to wait and wait for God to kind of take control and start talking? What happens now? So I would say that uh, as a rule, God is a gentleman. So what I mean by that is that God will never force you to do anything, even good things. God will never take control of you to do anything. Um, even though I think sometimes with, with something like speaking in tongues, it can be kind of a scary idea. So we, we almost want God to just take control because then we know that it's genuine and real if we don't have control over it. So we almost are waiting for... God to do it to us because that's how we would know that it's real. Um, but that's just not the way that God works. Um, he doesn't want to take control. He doesn't want robots or tools. He wants children who grow up in His image and want the same things that He wants and are passionate about the same things. So anything that we do with the Holy Spirit ever is going to be a partnership where we are fully sharing control the whole time and we have to be fully invested. There's never going to be a moment where you just give up control to have God do something through you. So, um, with that in mind, back to the question of how do you actually pray in tongues? Um, in three easy steps. Sorry, I was trying to find the most dramatic time to take a drink. So, first, you ask God to speak in tongues. The next step is you start talking. And the third step is you leave room to be nudged in the right direction. So, because this is a partnership, um, even though it's done through the Holy Spirit, you have complete power to start and stop at will. So, if you are anything like me, you find this whole idea really unsettling. Um, if you're anything like me, just the, the idea of that, okay, well, I'm just supposed to start, and then it's supposed to actually be of God, and not just something that's me, um, is really terrifying because for me, I'm the type that I always want to overthink things. I want to plan things out six steps in advance before I go anywhere because I don't want to make a mistake. And um, I was so terrified that, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to blaspheme. I'm going to just start doing something. It's going to be just me. I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm going to offend God. I had all these worried, all these worries that, you know, I was going to do something wrong. So, I have just a kind of a quick example that I'd like to play for you. And do you know, if, you know, if sound is going to come through this, or should I mic my computer? 
I guess we'll find out. Okay, so that was my three-year-old Clara praying for us for dinner last week. Um, now, this was not a prayer that we have practiced with her. Um, this was just we asked her to pray for us, and she always has something different that she says, and we're usually not sure what it is. Sorry, uh, <clears throat> trying to get over a little bit of cold. But <clears throat> as you can imagine, like any proud father, after Clara prayed this, I took her aside and I told her, you know, Clara, um, your enunciation was really terrible, and I could barely understand a word you were saying. Your grammar was awful. Your theology was very shaky. And you know what? You need to not pray like that anymore until you get it right because you have really offended God. No, I, I did not say that. But you, you can see how ridiculous that would be to say that to a child who is genuinely trying to pray. And you cannot imagine that God could possibly be offended by this prayer, right? But somehow... We say the same thing to ourselves all the time. And for me, I was saying the same thing to myself when I had a fear to start speaking in tongues because I was so afraid that I was going to offend God and somehow mess up my relationship with Him. So a point that I really want to drive into you is that the only way that you can fake a prayer is to be insincere, insincere about it. Um, every single one of us is every bit the child as she is to God. And every single one of us is just as loved and God is just as proud of as Clara is to me. And I am a sinful father that loses my patience all the time. So how much more so does God feel about us? So I want to press into you that there is no way that if you are genuinely trying to reach out to God, you are not going to offend God and you are not going to somehow fake speaking in tongues because it's only fake if you do not mean it. If you slur your speech, God's not going to care. If you trip up your words, God's not going to care. If you mispronounce something or have the wrong word for something, God doesn't care about that. And if you are trying to figure out if you're speaking in English or Mandarin or some other ancient language or if you're talking like the Swedish chef, it, you're focusing on the wrong things because that's not what God cares about. That's sometimes what we care about because we're afraid of offending God, but that's not what God is, is caring about. And I tell you, if you are genuinely trying to express Meaning to God through sound, it doesn't matter what that sound is, it is pleasing to God. So God is not going to lay a trap for us. 
and God is not going to be so easily offended that we could try to uh, try something and do it wrong and he's going to be angry at us. So even if you were speaking in tongues, it's not like he's going to say, oh, you know, your, your conjugation in your ancient Chinese was wrong. That's not an actual prayer. Um, so what I'm suggesting is that there is no fake speaking in tongues unless you're not actually trying to pray. Um, and this is why if you read those um, passages that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians in chapters 12 through 14, he doesn't give any kind of info about how to speak in tongues. It's all about just logistical advice about not making things too chaotic. You know, he's giving all of these, he, he's writing all these instructions about how to keep things orderly, but he never suggests that even when they're doing it in disorder, that their speaking in tongues is somehow false or blasphemous or offensive to God. And I think this is kind of the, the confusing thing for us today is that we, we read that and then we, and then we think, wait, but how do you actually do it? But I think just this tells us a lot about the nature of God and our, our relationship to God. And then, uh, kind of the last thing I want to say is that when we find ourselves afraid of a right or wrong way to worship or to pray, that's a sign that we are treating our interactions with God as a formula that has a right or wrong way rather than as a relationship, which God has gone to great lengths to have it be a relationship where there is not a right or wrong way, where we're forgiven and we're in grace so you know it's like the relationship I have with Clara I it's okay if she says the wrong word it's okay if she stumbles over her words she's learning and you know I'm really touched with the effort so um, we do have a little bit of time so I, I do have some slides I was going to maybe skip uh, unless you all want to chime in with questions or uh, sharing some of your own experiences, but I was just going to talk a little bit about, um, I know that before I spoke in tongues, I was always curious to have people talk about what it was actually like, or um, talk more about that, so if you all are interested, I can go ahead and talk a little bit about this, unless somebody has something that they want to say. Oh, okay. I have a couple things. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, back, can you go back to that slide in Acts? Uh, which one? This one or the original? Yeah, like, that one. Yes. Um, it says uh, they were bewildered because each was hearing and speaking his own language. Um, I actually think that can be interpreted that, that they were just talking and the people were hearing. Not so much that the people were speaking the language they understood, it's just that they were just talking that people could still understand it. It's, yeah, that's possible. I mean, but, I mean I'm, yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just yeah. saying I think it can be interpreted that way too. Um, yeah. There, there were 120 of them speaking in tongues, though. Yeah. So, so it is possible that they were just all speaking the different languages of the people who were there. 
Okay. Um, the, the other question is, um, um, is the one, it's the one about um, wanting to speak in, in tongues and stuff. Is it necessary? Say, say you have like a a, a a sin that you really struggle with. Is that something you need to, to work on before you do that, or is the hopes is if you speak in tongues, maybe it helps? Um. Well, I know from my experience with the churches that I've been to and like parts of the church where people speak in tongues, I've met a lot of sinful people who speak in tongues now. So I don't think it's a thing where you have to get anything in order before then. I mean, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe if it's a kind of thing where you're praying and God puts it on your heart that this is something that you need to deal with first, you know, I, like every person is different and I would I would go with what God puts on your heart to deal with in order um, but I think it's it's it would never be a thing where God would say this gift is not for you because you're too sinful because that would invalidate everybody from ever doing any gift I do well, think I, I the guess, I oh. guess what I'm trying to say it's like it, it's a sin that you have that you know you have and you don't want to relinquish it. More, more of that kind of attitude, not just... Oh, yeah, so you have areas of your life that are not given over to God. Right. Um, yeah, I, I guess I it's mean, possible. I know, I know it's not a formula, yeah. but I'm just kind of yeah. asking if, you know, because it does, it does kind of seem like if you, if you want, it would seem to me like if you do want to give, you should be like trying to do what is right anyway. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, so you're you I don't know how well you would be able to invite God in only on your terms right. and not on God's terms. So I po- possibly. I guess I don't have a good answer for that. And my last one is does it have to be audible? Um cuz I'm asking this because there's a lot of cuz like the one verse in Romans about the, the spirit knows what your groanings are and all that. Right. It's like, those are most of my prayers. Yeah. I mean, they are, and I never say them out loud, but in my mind I hear like, I don't know what it is. Kind yeah. Of stuff. So I think that, um, I don't think there's like a certain decibel level that things have to be, like when you're praying with God. Would you consider that uh, speaking in tongues even though you're not doing it audibly, I guess is my question. Um, I would say that I think maybe there's something to taking some action in your prayers, even if that action is as simple as, you know, talking under your breath. Um, So I would say, you know, maybe there is something to saying something out loud rather than just um, thinking it, even if that something is... And I try try to do it, and it's like it's, it's a real struggle for me. Yeah. One, one thing that I would suggest and I was going to to offer on here is that um, for any of you who it still seems like something that you're uncomfortable with, uncomfortable with or something weird, um, I think the key thing to, like the, the, the most important thing to speaking in tongues is that you're both taking action and that you're giving room to listen to God and, and take those little nudges. So I think if you don't want to speak in tongues, you might find 
other forms of prayer where you're doing like writing in like a stream of consciousness kind of thing or doing some kind of drawing or something, I think that could probably accomplish the same thing where um, God's not going to give you a big push, but God is going to give you gentle nudges. And so you have to be taking some action to be able to be guided in the right direction. So it may not be for everybody to have that look like praying out loud, but um, I would encourage you to, to try to think about, well, what can you do where you can do something where you are kind of contemplating and trying to listen but still taking some action? So that might be, you know, writing in a notebook to yourself and trying to write to God. That That's something that I do sometimes that is really helpful for me or any kind of artistic expression. Um, even playing music, I would imagine that you could probably play music in tongues, even though you're not using your tongue. But, you know, if, if you're playing something and allow yourself to be led and let that be your prayer to God, I, I think that would accomplish the same thing. You had a question? You, you may have just kind of For you personally, why is it that when it's on your own terms that you pray in tongues? Like what, basically, why do you pray in tongues? Um, so I think for me personally, I've found that, um, like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm the type that I tend to overthink things, and I tend to introspect a lot, and so I kind of uh, get in my own head really easily, and just kind of get sucked into my own thoughts and into my own, like, cycles of my thoughts and stuff. And for me, speaking in tongues is really great for getting out of my own head and kind of taking a step back a little bit. Um, so what I genu generally do, and uh, this kind of goes a little bit back to what it's like for me to pray in tongues, is that so I, I'll feel... Like, I need to pray for something, but rather than try to struggle with finding the right words or getting distracted, <coughs> um, I will start praying in tongues and try to encourage the leading of the Holy Spirit and praying through my spirit. So I feel like I'm expressing meaning and sound, even though I don't know what that meaning is. And so meanwhile, I'll be praying that God, please guide me on what I should be praying about. Let me understand what I'm praying about now. Um, and so it, it, oftentimes I'll get kind of an intuitive sense of what I'm praying about, and it'll be a much clearer picture than what I would be trying to pray about if I was just mentally thinking, okay, what, what should I be praying about right now? What is on God's heart? So for me, it's kind of like... Um, that's how I find what's on God's heart and really zero in on that rather than getting lost in my own thoughts. So you like, you like essentially kind of pick the topic and then say, you just kind of turn it over to God at that point. Sometimes it's not even, sometimes I don't even pick the topic and sometimes it's about something that I wouldn't have even thought to pray about. Mm -hmm. But... One, once I do, it makes complete sense, and it's like, oh, I should have been thought, thinking of this before. 
but um, yeah, basically it's and it, it's really strange because um, at first it's really counterintuitive because uh, you know if I wanted to tell my parents what I want for my birthday, you know first I would figure out what I want, then I would tell my parents and then they would know what I want for my birthday. But when you're praying in tongues, it's like, first God knows what you want, then you tell God what you want, then you find out what you want. And so it's, it's completely backwards. But the key is that God knows what we want and need better than we know ourselves. And I don't think that praying is the act of informing God what we need. Um, I think it's important that we're asking God and inviting Him to take action into what we need. Um, I think that goes back to the whole idea that God is a gentleman. He's not going to just come in and meddle in your affairs against your will. Like the, your act of praying is you inviting Him in to do the things He already wants to do. It's not like you're going to convince God to do things that He doesn't want to do. He already wants to do good things to people and take care of his people, but you're you're inviting him to come in and do those things. I hope that helps. And again, another cough drop, real quick. I have one more question. Uh, <coughs> when you're when you're speaking in tongues, do What, what do you, what do you hear? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you are you thinking like in English or how you want to say it? Or because always I ask, I ask a lot of people who are like <coughs> another country who's learned English. It's like, do you think in your native language? Or because because you, you got me wondering now about like when I pray, if yeah. it doesn't have to actually be like really out loud or something. Yeah, and and I think this is this is kind of a really interesting thing because me being like I yeah like I, I overthink all this stuff, but I I think so honestly. Um, my feeling is that my prayer language, so to speak, the like the things that I am praying when I'm speaking in tongues, I personally don't believe that is an actual language. For me, that might be different from for other people, but like if I think if you recorded me speaking in tongues and played it back to like a linguist or something, they're not going to be like, "Oh my God, he's speaking ancient Babylonian or something." Um, and when I was kind of preparing to do stuff, like I, I, I read reports where they had done studies where they've recorded people who were speaking in tongues, and they found that that they. They did that for lots of people from different who had different native languages, and they found that the um, the sounds they were using tended to come from their own native language, and their intonation and their phrasing <coughs> and the way they were talking suggested that they were speaking a language, but they weren't able to like come up with any language, like, any actual language that the people were speaking. And I think they found that it was actually using, like, different parts of the brain. So, I guess all that to say that, um, 
you know, when, when I speak in tongues, it's not as if I'm feeling things in English and then they're coming out in a different language. It's like um, feeling things in a different way and it coming out in sound. Um, you know, it's, it's well, you, you would understand, like, the, the music analogy. It's like you can feel emotion and meaning in, like, a melody or music, and it, it kind of comes, it touches your mind in a different way than language does. But, and sometimes it's not as precise, but you can hear a piece of music and understand what the emotional meaning behind it is. And for me, it's a lot closer to that, is that there's um, kind of an, an emotional meaning to it that you feel. And um, the same is when you're interpreting the tongues. <coughs> and that when you hear something and you get kind of an intuitive sense of what the meaning is, it's not, you're not translating in tongues. It's not like, oh, that word means this word in English, so this is what it says. It's you start to get an intuitive sense of, of the meaning, and then you try to explain that in your own words as best as you can. So it's, it's a very subjective meaning that you have to kind of be very humble about and kind of rely on other people about. It sounds a lot like what I would say in my experiences where... I don't actually verbalize anything, but I mean, I've, I've said prayers, you know, and like, and said them, and it felt like nothing, but the ones that I like really struggle with, it seems like, now they show like somebody's confused, and I had like all these formulas like floating around in cartoons, sometimes my prayers are like that, but it seems like those are the ones that after I get done, that I feel the most at peace with. Yeah. And it almost sounds like it's a different version, maybe of what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me, is that you're you're praying in the Spirit, and just, it's not necessarily in words, it's the Holy Spirit praying with you. Okay. <laughs> I got something I wanted to... Oh. Go ahead. Are you sure? Huh? I just said something about, um, it's using a different part of your brain, and I think that when this becomes audible, you're getting signals from yourself, and it's just building. That's why with the start, start talking. You know, it's just like you're starting to feed your your uh, sensory and that part of your brain, and then it it just it escalates. Yeah, it like a feedback loop if, uh, or something. Harnessed by the spirit. <coughs> we talk about a god part of the brain anyway, don't don't they? Isn't that kind of a semi-scientific term? I've heard that before. Yeah, I've heard that. Well, I've, I've heard of uh, certain psychedelic drugs that they call the spirit molecule because when people take it, they pe even people who are like hardcore materialistic atheists suddenly think, oh, there's something out there because I had like, I met something on my trip that was like some other entity. But that's another whole discussion that we won't get into. <laughs> I have my thoughts on that too, but that's not for here. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to ask you if you think there's kind of like, our culture kind of discourages that form of expression a little bit too, because what I'm kind of hearing from you is that you think it's an important spiritual discipline to tap into that a little bit, and maybe we just focus, you know, like Bible study and sort of like rational brain things, whether it's like an important part of 
Like, you're not meeting your full spiritual needs if you're not doing some sort of mystical expression. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you said it a lot better than, than I did, actually. <laughs> so uh, so I, I, hope that was, I hope that was recorded on the, on the podcast. But uh, try to summarize that you said that kind of our culture is so much focused on kind of the doctrine side and scripture side that we aren't really meeting the, the experiential or mystical needs of the faith. And that sometimes we're kind of hurting because we don't have that side of our faith. It's, it's really neat because I hadn't thought about this, but like language limits us so much. Like when they kind of look at how, how our brain works and language, we have to... We have to modify how we're doing things or thinking of things to put it into our language because we're limited in that way. And, and what you're saying is like maybe this is tapping into much more of, of who we are beyond just that, that small bit that can be contained in language. And that's really, that's really cool. I, I yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. I'm not sure I really had thought of that either until you just said it. So, <coughs> Bobby? Speaking in tongues, they taught that that was a sin. You speak in tongues, you're going to go straight down. And growing up, I tried to talk to the pastor. No, we don't talk about that. That's nothing but the devil working on you. And growing up as a young man, hearing these strange voices and from then on I realized I could understand people like the other day I had my hat on my Jesus hat and this lady come up and she said in her own language you have a Jesus hat on and I said, yes. Then I asked her, where are you from? And she said, I'm from Puerto Rico. Okay, you're from Puerto Rico. Do you know English? Me no speak English, but I understand you. You understand me. And all of a sudden, all the way back to the church, I'm going... Okay, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you. If I could only talk to that pastor today, I would tell him what happened. I did not know this lady. She did not know me. But when she walked up, she said, you have a Jesus hat on. Just as plain as you guys are talking to me today, I understood her. And she understood it everything I said to her and I was speaking in English. Hmm. So was that our Lord Jesus Christ pulling us two together to talk about him? Or was it Satan bringing us together? <coughs> yeah, well, it certainly doesn't sound like Satan. 
That sounds that sp- sounds pretty amazing. Um, sorry that you had to be in a church environment like that. Uh, I guess that reminds me I was supposed to tie in something to gratitude with today. So say that I, I am grateful to be part of a community that is open to to different viewpoints and hearing things even if we all kind of come from different backgrounds and different places with it. So didn't come in with any fear that I was going to get chased out of the church. But I mean, it's not like you're going to fire me or anything if you don't agree with what I say. But uh, I think part of it, though, is don't some churches teach that if you aren't able to speak in tongues, then you're not safe? Yeah, so that, that's kind of... I think that's where the yeah. pushback comes from a lot of churches. <coughs> they focus on that, that doctrine. Yes, and if anyone is wondering, that is incorrect. <laughs> uh, you can be saved without speaking in tongues. Just make that clear. Yeah, that's kind of a one-size-fits-all mindset. Yeah. And we, we know we can't be like that. Yeah, and, and even... Um, I, I, and I think two reasons that the our experience with things like speaking in tongues vary so much from person to person is one is that um, relationships, you know, it is a relationship and relationships are different. So if you think of the milestones you might have in a relationship where, you know, when you first kiss, like the first time you said I love you, like whatever those milestones are, those are going to be different for for every relationship when they happen and what order they happen in. And so some of these experiences that we have with God are going to be different from person to person. And then secondly, um, you know, thank goodness God doesn't, God doesn't stop talking to us when we get something wrong. So you have lots of people who have really terrible theology, but God still talks to them because God, loved them, God loves them. And, and us included, you know, God's not going to stop talking to us because we have bad theology but unfortunately that means sometimes you'll hear from people who have had genuine experiences with God but have some really strange notions about it you had uh, what Robbie G said just reminded me of Herb's question about um, in Acts chapter 2 when they were all speaking in tongues but each heard it in his own language maybe they were all speaking in tongues just General, not even an actual language of anybody, but the Holy Spirit was translating it in their own minds. They all perceived it in their own language. Yeah, that could be. Either way, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I have two questions. So, like, when you're speaking in tongues, like, like, what are you thinking? I like... Are you actually, like, just saying stuff, or like, what are you thinking? So, generally what I'm thinking is, um, have you ever, like, thought something without using words? So, I know you're learning the violin, right? And, <coughs> and you have some musical background. Have you ever gotten so into the music, either playing it or listening to a piece of music, that you almost feel like you're thinking in music without words to it, and you, you're just thinking through the feelings of it. Um, it's sort of like that. So you, um, 
you're thinking and there's still a meaning to it. It's not just nothing, but you're just not using words to think through it. Um, so it's sort of like that. And uh, often what I'll do is that while I'm doing that, uh, like Paul says, I'll be praying with my mind to say, you know, God, please let me know what I'm praying for. So then if you can pray with both your words and pray in the spirit, then it's like, really powerful and you feel like all of you is working together and so a lot of times that that praying with just feeling is just kind of the first part of it and then you start to get a feeling of what you're praying for and then you feel like you're on the same page with God and then it's like a, a really powerful prayer my second question what's theology? oh theology is just kind of the um kind of the study of God. So, so that's, that's what you would call with, um, like, how you would argue different doctrine, like, oh, does the Bible mean this, or does the Bible mean that? Yeah. Or, like, um, and sometimes people can get really caught up in the study of it, and, you know, you take college classes for it, and you're arguing different sides, and you get so caught up in just the thinking about it, you don't actually ever interact with God. So theology is really great when it leads us to God, but if we're not careful, it can just lead us right past God, off into our own thing where we just want to argue about being right and stuff. And I guess uh, if any of you, it is a quarter after, so if any of you have kids, if you want to go ahead and get kids, um, if any of you still have anything you want to talk about, I'll be here or I'll... We'll probably stay for the community meal, but thank you all. Oh, we've got communion, I guess.